0: This is past Samir speaking to you, and that's because actually we're on a break right now. If you're listening right now, most likely Samir is somewhere in Europe (laughs) and I'm somewhere in Mexico. That's right. You're talking to pre-vacation Colin and Samir right now. This is a different era for us. Potentially way more stressed than post-vacation Colin and Samir. (laughs) On today's episode, we're going to talk about the concept of taking a break, something that's pretty foreign to us and that we actually haven't done yet as of recording it. But while you're listening to this, we are on a break. Also today on the Colin
1: and Samir show, we have our ongoing series creator support, which is basically like spark notes for your creative career. Wow. You did your own tagline there. Yeah. Amazing. You know, great. Sometimes you got to do your own tagline. (laughs) In this series, we answer all of your questions about being a creator. We get the questions from our Reddit, r slash Colin and Samir, from our newsletter, the published press, and sometimes on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Some of the topics we're going to cover today are that new app, Be Real, if you're familiar with that, talking about making documentaries with your audience, going full time on YouTube and how to steal like an artist. All right, here we go. So you're somewhere in Mexico right now? Is that what you're saying? Apparently. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm Somewhere in Mexico. So what's really interesting about this moment in time is I am currently on my honeymoon. Now... When planning this honeymoon, there was a conversation around how many weeks we should take. My incredible entrepreneurial anxiety was like, what about 10 days? And then (laughs) my wife uh, was like, I think we should do longer than that because this is essentially probably the last time we'll travel. Like our plan is we just got married, plan is to have kids. This might actually be the last time We just travel independently for a really long time. So we were with two other friends and they were like, however long you can take, take that long. And that is so challenging for a creator or an entrepreneur to be like, how long can I take? Like when, when my wife asked me that question, I was like, I have absolutely no idea because it's our own call. How long we take off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super challenging. We've talked about this before with the paradox of, permission. Oh, you're going to bring up the POP. I'm going to bring up the
1: paradox of permission on everyone. I I think it's, (laughs) I
0: think it's a great thing to bring up right now. Um, it's essentially this concept that when you upload on YouTube or you're an entrepreneur, essentially, especially when you upload on YouTube, you don't need permission to upload content. Like it is a permissionless environment. If we want to upload tomorrow, we upload tomorrow. But that also creates this situation where you are in a cycle of uploading content and you have no idea when the end of that cycle is. You don't give yourself the permission to stop or, or take a break. It doesn't feel like you can't do that.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people experience this even outside of YouTube. You for know, sure. In any type of career. I think probably you and I, for a long period of time, have felt guilt when we take breaks, like we should be working. And that probably has to do with the way that both of us were raised. Yeah. I mean, you, I know working with your dad, Mm -hmm. you were working at at a very young age. Yeah. And even for me growing up, we didn't really go on vacations. Like I never took vacations. We would go one time a year for a very short amount of time. And even then, like, I just remember it being this type of thing where like, we weren't in total abundance, you know, to be Mm -hmm. on vacation. It was like, we would go do everything on a budget, even though we were on vacation. And it was the same vacation we took every year. And like, I don't know, I think you and I probably both
0: from a very young age internalized a sense of we should always be working. I think it's actually something that I've realized that success and fear, especially on YouTube, track at the same time. So as you become more successful, you start to become more fearful. And that's because you're terrified of losing it. That's at least my emotion, you know, that I've had for for a bit of time, but I've been able to shake it. But like you have this fear as you build it, like we're getting close to a million subscribers, something we've always wanted. We're, you know, doing 10 million views a month on the channel. And as you get to that point of success, you lose this sense of feeling like you can just like pick it up from the ground. Like if it falls down, you lose the sense of feeling that you can pick it back up. You just feel like you have to hold it and not let it go. And the tighter you grip on it, the more like fear is injected into your, your video making, into your decision making. And I think that's what happens in the concept of taking a break. When I was evaluating taking a break, I was like, a three week break, that probably means we just lose everything we built. You know, there's a little bit of that that goes into your head where you're like, okay, that means I'm, there's a possibility I come back and the career has gone. And it, that's really dramatic. But that is a lot of the emotion that goes through you. I actually think it's probably one of the best things we could do right now, because
1: mm-hmm. like you said, as our channel's gotten a little bit more successful, we've gotten really stuck in our ways, which is not yeah. a bad thing. Like we make a very specific type of video. We have a very specific idea of what success is when it comes to a video. But what got us here was trying a lot of different things that failed. Yeah. And that was exciting probably for us and our audience when things actually started to pick up, you know, and taking a break may allow us to have some sort of reframed passion and energy towards creating something new. And hopefully we get back and we do have a renewed sense of it's okay to try something new that may fail. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. that's super important. But that,
0: That's the thing. Michelle Carre said this to us. Like when you first start out, you, you have the most amount of bravery. And then once you develop a format that works, you, you, you lose some of that bravery to try something new. So I agree. I think there's a bit of a, uh, not to use a Ryan Trahan term, but a great, great reset that could happen <laughs> where you, you uh, take a step back and you're like, okay, when we come back, what does it look like?
1: Something else to talk about is that leading into this break, we took a very quick 36-hour trip to New York City mm-hmm. to watch our friend, Paul Rabel uh, and a bunch of the people we've worked with in the lacrosse space debut a film at Tribeca and we filmed some of the footage in the dock because, you know, we used to film Paul Mm -hmm. all the time, like five, six years ago and our names, we have cinematography credits in the film. And we went there to New York to watch that film and support. And I think left with, I don't know if it was a renewed desire to make documentaries. I think Mm -hmm. maybe we thought we would have that, but a renewed sense of something. I don't know. I feel like I left that experience with a better understanding of what I'm capable of S- seeing friends accomplish something like that. Yeah. 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 Like debut a film mm-hmm. at Tribeca, mm-hmm. which felt so far. And when we were truly wanted to be documentary filmmakers, that yeah. felt really far, you know, yeah. like when we went to South by Southwest mm-hmm. three years ago, we were very much on the outside.
0: I think, um, when just I'm going to answer that, but when you get into this cycle on YouTube, when, when you find a format that's working, it's really hard to look outside of that format. You actually don't have any time to look outside of that format because you're producing at such a pace that just disallows you to look around and say, how long do I want to do this format? Do I want to do something different? Or do I want to evolve it a little bit? And I think actually our conversation with Ryan Trahan really helped me understand that pace can be when you get to a certain point, you can lower the pace a bit and you can start to look at other things. Like he said to us in that interview, he was like, if you guys go behind the scenes with a creator for, you know, a week or something, that's still Colin and Smear." And I thought that was a really powerful thing that he said, um, that we, we have found a theme and something that we're passionate about and something that like these people that we want to cover. And if we don't do it in an interview, but we do it in a different way, that's still our channel. Um, And I think that's empowering to think about. And this break, this three-week break of taking rest, taking time for like to see the world in a new way, see new perspectives might bring us back into a space of saying, yeah, maybe we do wanna do more doc style stuff. Maybe we do wanna do different types of things. Uh, Maybe we do wanna put out less on YouTube. Maybe we do wanna interview a new type of person. And that to me, I think is actually the beauty of permissionless environment that we actually, the only people we kind of need that permission from are are ourselves and our audience. You know, you, you, like the audience, if you want to keep this career going, you still do need the audience to be like, yeah, I do like this new format. Mm-hmm. That is something that's that's real, you know? And I think this fear around it is that the audience will will like abandon you at some point or oh, you lose relevancy. But the thing that I think I've realized is... is if we just take a step back and think about what's exciting to us and, you know, really think about what's going to work on YouTube as well, how does that fit onto YouTube? We've always found a way to make a, a good video. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's when we actually don't have the time and we're just working at this pace where we miss, you know, with both our excitement level and, and things that work for our audience. So breaks, I think adds, as a, you know, high level, taking the time to evaluate what what inspires you, what you wanna make, is really important. And this kind of reminds me of something that was on Twitter between Ali Abdal and, and John Green. Ali Abdaal said, uh, if you've monetized YouTube, how long did it take to get to your first 1,000 subs and 4,000 hours of ro- watch time? For me, it was 52 videos and six months to get to a 1,000 subscribers. And John Green responded saying, Hank and I made over 200 videos before we had 300 subscribers. That was in 2007. 200 videos to get to 300 subscribers. Yeah, I was having this conversation with someone last night actually about
1: how, you know, we had a short that gained us 50,000 subscribers. (laughs) Yeah. You know how hard it was to get 50,000 subscribers? Even the first 10,000 subscribers, the
0: first thousand, like. It was hard enough that we decided to make a video about getting 50,000 subscribers and our path to getting there. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah, I can't believe, I can't believe that. I don't think we ever had that where you know in total we have 320 videos published to our channel right now. Mm. You know that's a really important context to think about. Yeah, we haven't made that we, we many haven't videos made that many, many videos. That feels like a lot, but you know, we haven't made that many videos. The thing that's overwhelming to think about and interesting to think about is like when you find your format, how long are you going to do that format or Is it a constant evolution? Because two years ago, we weren't doing this format on YouTube.
1: No. You know? Yeah, I think it's a constant evolution. It's just a
0: constant evolution. It's so interesting. You're just constantly finding things and finding what inspires you and finding what works.
1: I think Ryan Tran is right. Like, as long as we talk about the same type of things and give people the same type of feeling when they watch one of our videos, then we should be okay. Because it's still us putting out what we want to put out and
0: what we want to say. All right. This one comes from Reddit. This question is can I request Colin and Samir do an episode or even a segment on Be Real? Let me let me be honest right now. I have not downloaded Be Real, but it is infiltrating our office, our conversations. It's all it's just everywhere in my life right now. I haven't felt this from an app since probably TikTok, where everyone just seems to be downloading it around me.
1: Yeah, I mean we had a moment that felt like it was from a movie in our office where all the editors were explaining to us be real, yeah, you know, a very, social a very, a very social
0: network, oh, yeah, very social yeah. network,
1: like, have you heard of this thing, Facebook? Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, and you know, I haven't downloaded it either, but I do think it's interesting from what I understand on this app, everyone has a certain time frame that they can post a photo mm-hmm. so you know, you have I don't know how long it is, but it's a window of time where you can. Post a selfie, right? It's like a dual angle. Like what I'm so old, man. Wow. I'm not This even... is
0: insane. Yeah. This is crazy hearing you try and explain, be <sighs> real. That's really I'm tired tough. just trying to explain Amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So it's it takes two photos, one of yourself through the, the rear facing camera and one of what you're looking at through the front facing camera. And everyone posts at the same time. So you can scroll through a feed of what everyone's doing in that exact moment. It's essentially appointment posting and appointment viewing and then the photos go away and then they're gone. Yeah. So it'd be like if everyone posted on Instagram in a two minute window and then you were there to look at what everyone was doing for those two minutes and then you're off because it's not no longer interesting. There's no more content. I think that's actually a pretty cool idea to say, let's be intentional with when we're posting and when we're consuming, because that's the, that's the challenge with what's happening across all social. It's an endless stream. It's infinite.
1: Yeah. And what I would urge be real to do is just, stay with one thing, be really good at one thing, because, you know, that's what everyone was excited about with Snapchat stories. And then Instagram stories was, oh, it's this ephemeral nature. You can only watch it for a period of time, but then you could add it to your highlight. Right. And then you've got so many other options Mm -hmm. on Instagram and Snapchat, but, you know, to really make it powerful, it has to remain ephemeral where you only have that moment to see it and then it goes away.
0: Yeah, I do think that's powerful from, like, I think they can probably monetize that. It's the same reason why live sports and live award shows are still high-ticket advertising on television. It's because everyone's looking at something at the exact same time. The Um, question is, though, whether it becomes some sort of fad or not. Remember HQ Trivia? Everyone was really excited to tune in. That was appointment appointment view. That was appointment viewing. HQ
1: Trivia, everyone wanted to tune in and play this trivia game and win a little bit of money, and then they had advertising, and then it shut down. Yeah. So hopefully, maybe this is more powerful because it's your friends, and mm-hmm. you actually want to see what these people are doing.
0: Yeah. Also from the Reddit, uh, this one comes from I can't read the username, but this one comes from the Reddit r slash Colin and Smear. Colin and Smear, are you guys hiring at the moment? This is this is a good question that's going to have layers of answers for me. So the the first answer is no, not really for you know what we're doing on YouTube and and what we're doing on the podcast. But the second answer is yes. <laughs> and again, let me explain. So, you know, right now, because you heard about us wanting to take a break, you heard about us talking about evolving the content, you know, our goal with the YouTube channel and what we're doing on the creative side is to actually build a very tight knit team um, that can be nimble enough to evolve. We don't want to hire too much because we can't really guarantee over the next two years or so exactly what the channel is going to look like. We might change. We might say we're actually going to upload once a month and it's going to be this big piece that we're going to upload, or we're going to try doing a daily thing. I mean, I don't know that could happen, but because we're, we're trying to evolve and, and change things so much um, we have to stay extremely nimble on the channel. That said, when you expand out to everything else we're doing with the newsletter, with this podcast these things are a lot more kind of, they have a format to them and they're built for growth. We have teams around them that can manage people. We have infrastructure that can build around these projects. And I actually think this is something that a lot of creators should think about. When it, look, when it goes to your creativity, it's it's actually, I think, a good idea to keep your overhead low and keep your team small. Something that Ryan talked about, Trahan, where he had a team of six and he moved it down to now he has a team of two. That allows him to be really nimble with his creativity. But if Ryan launches like a clothing line or another business, he can hire into that company and that company can have a more traditional, you know, company structure. So that that's how I think we're gonna grow right now is keep our team that we have right now on the YouTube side uh, nimble and able to evolve and then grow into our newsletter and kind of this media business side where we are building team members that can, Um, you know, help us grow those different business functions.
1: Yeah. I also think, you know, you're not hiring until you are, until someone shows you, you have a problem you didn't realize you had. Right. And and that's, those are the success stories we hear from creators all the time when they hire someone. It's generally because someone sent them an email or did some sort of cold outreach where they weren't just explaining who they are. They're solving a problem in that first email.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's a good point. So that's a good point. Yeah. If you do want to, you know, get hired by a creator, sending proof of work and and like very specific hey i want to make clips out of your show here's you know the clip here's a thumbnail for it here's how i would distribute it here's the workflow that i think we could do all of a sudden you've you've solved a problem where it's like more content less recording and you've shown me that you understand the creative so i i do think proof of work is important if you want to get hired that kind of goes into this question around when you should go full-time as a creator. And this question comes from Fred. What's up, Fred? I think the right time to go full-time on YouTube is when you've probably supplemented whatever your income was somewhere else or however much income you want to make. And you've made that through YouTube, but you've probably have a line of sight in how to double it. And maybe it's, it's like in the near future, you can figure out how to make more. You know, like, it, let's say you want to make $70,000. Sure, I think you should have, you know, ad deals booked for for $70,000 a year, but I actually think you should look at that as, you know, getting to 100 or 110 and even having deals booked or having a line of sight of like, ooh, my AdSense is growing or my brand partnerships are growing or I'm, you know, something is happening where I can see how it's growing because you want enough runway, again, to evolve. You want enough runway to take a break. You want enough runway to change with how the algorithm changes. You don't want to go full time and just go all in without too much of a plan. And I say that out of both sides of my mouth because that's exactly what we did.
1: Yeah. I think it depends really how much you want to have your career be full time creator because I think we naively so wanted so badly to have that identity of being a full-time creator. But I think a lot of people will never have to be technically a full time creator, Mm -hmm. even us, had we not wanted that name and that identity so badly, we could have stayed at our jobs that we had. We could have gotten new jobs and still had a podcast and still made some videos here and there. And who knows where our growth would be.
0: I'm a bit of someone who needs to like throw themselves into survival mode in order to build something. And that's, I think, a character trait that's not very healthy, but I like it. Like, I like to be backed into a corner and have to, you know, build out of it. I did not anticipate for us it would take us four to five years to back out, like, to pull out of that hole or or back out of that corner. Um, So I would just prepare. If you do want to go all in, it might take longer than you think. It really might take longer than you think. And there were some really tough years in there of trying to be these full-time creators. So prepare for that. If you can, if you can hang in there, go for it. Otherwise really try and make an income goal that allows you to go full time. Also, I thought this was really cool from the Reddit. Someone posted new to the podcast episode recommendations. Mm. That was a really cool one that came from Jake's garage said, I recently found the podcast and I'm absolutely loving it. I'm currently binging and I'm looking for some good episodes to start with any suggestions would be greatly appreciated. I thought it was cool to read through the comments and see that a lot of people were recommending the um, interviews. And I would say if I were to recommend some, I think our interview with Mr. Beast is like just a great one to to dive into if you're interested in the world of YouTube. But one of my favorites, I think, is probably our interview with Andrew Schultz, because it was this really cool opportunity for us to talk to someone who has a different craft, a comedian. Someone who uses YouTube and has used YouTube to build his career, but like to speak to a comedian was just so fun and so cool. It was so unique.
1: Yeah. And at the end of that episode, when we workshop how he should sell and distribute his new comedy special, that was one of my favorite moments. I would also say our conversation with Ty Verdes. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Musician who Mm -hmm. grew on TikTok, but is now very much a mainstream artist. Uh, That's an episode that we did very early on in the Colin and Samir show and- Kind of one of our sleeper episodes that Ooh, I think is, sleeper episode, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's real. I think it's great. Yeah, I if agree. I, with if that. I could you know applaud he also our own live. He live.
0: He played in live in our studio. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Ty Verdes and Andrew Schultz. Go check those two out. All right, creator support question from Worlds Z. Oh, Worlds with a Z. Wow, I totally missed that. I want to make documentaries with my audience. What's up, Colin and Samir? I just graduated college creating documentaries with my peers, and I missed the collaboration that existed there. I came up with the idea of creating documentaries with my YouTube audience by posting weekly videos of the progress I'm making with the documentary. This is to incentivize viewers to join my Patreon, where we have weekly meetings where they decide what characters we should dive deeper into, scenes they'd like to see, and other collaborative aspects that'll be reflected by the final film. With the eventual goal of flying people out from my community so we can all make films together. I'm getting closer to launching. I wonder what other options you think I should include in my Patreon to incentivize my audience to join. Along with that, if you guys notice holes in my ideas to fix, I would love to hear your thoughts. That's pretty interesting. I haven't heard of, I haven't really heard of something like that before.
1: I really like seeing creators start with community funded options or Mm. Patreons. Uh, membership clubs really early on from the ground up. Yeah. Even Ryan Ng, who Mm -hmm. has a film school essentially is what he's calling it. Yeah. Where, you know, as he's starting to take off and growing as a creator, you can join his Patreon and learn about, you know, how he makes videos. I think that's something that we kind of missed out on. We had a lot of tight knit supporters throughout all of our ups and downs. And we definitely could have had a Patreon where we sort of engaged those people Throughout the experience.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I also did check out this documentary piece. Um the the channel is called Worlds on YouTube, and his like the doc piece I checked out is called Phil Go, which stands for F it, let's go. Feels reminiscent of one of our early uh early videos on YouTube as well. Um, mm. but it's about a grandson who travels to Alaska uh, to discuss the insanity of his grandfather's past. And there's a really beautiful sequence of Super 8. So just want to give a shout out uh, to that. It's really cool. I, I honestly think in terms of poking holes in in your idea, it, it, like I wonder why Patreon, um, if Patreon is really a necessary path here, because um, I think it, it, it creates like a gate to building a community and maybe having the community exist in a non-paywalled environment works better. But I also you know, think that the culture of someone paying to be a member of this community might allow you to actually, you know, build true supporters. If anyone can comment, it's not as exciting as if there's a tight knit community. Only advice I
1: would give right now is that I'm on the channel and I can't even find the link to the Patreon. Yeah. So I would say make but sure But he hasn't that- launched yet. Okay. It's not launched yeah, yet. It's not launched yet. He's oh.
0: asking for like feedback on the idea. Oh okay then (laughs) do you like the paywalled experience or don't like the paywalled experience here?
1: I'm going to be honest. I don't pay for Patreons. Mm. Like I, I have not been an active paying member of someone's Patreon like on a recurring basis. We've done it for videos to explore, Mm -hmm. but it's not something that's part of my consumption habit right now.
0: What would you pay for? Or would you pay for anything? No, you don't think so.
1: Yeah. I don't know if anything's proven that I would pay for. I, I collectively, we paid for, Jeff Wittick
0: Mm -hmm.
1: when he released those exclusive Mm -hmm. uncut raw versions of that docu-series because I thought episode one was so good. That was the style of storytelling that I like so much. Yeah. But I knew that there was an end date to that. Yeah. Right. All these people flooded Jeff Wittick's Patreon. You got to pay for this exclusive series and then people left. So that was like, is that membership or is that pay-per-view programming? Right. Like I'll do pay-per-view, but I don't know if I'll just do this endless,
0: Yeah. So payment because I don't,
1: I won't, I won't tune in
0: every week. I agree with that. Here's my question is, could this be a Kickstarter? Yeah, probably. Right. Right. Where it's a, it's a one-time payment and you're in a writer's room where you're helping him make the doc. And then he finally makes the doc and they're more like
1: investors on a
0: one-time basis. Right. Yeah. So that's what I would ask you to explore is, could this be a Kickstarter instead of a Patreon? Like, why does it need to be a recurring payment? I think that's, that's the important thing, but you're a great filmmaker. Like this, the sequence, the super eight sequence to me is super cool. And I think like you've, you've done a great job with it. So we all watched it in the office and and
1: odd and loved it. Best of
0: luck to you with that. All right. The last question here, Colin. Talk to me. Was, where is it? I lost it. Find it. Where is it? Hold on. All right. This is from Zach. He says, as a creator who creates a lot of content, what's the best way to take notes and use styles to steal like an artist.
1: The first thing that comes to mind is actually something that was taking place in our Reddit where the title of the post was something around, you know, how to learn from a creator without actually talking to them. And what this person did was they took one of our videos and they dissected what was happening in in every second. So it was like here's the intro, here's the hook, here's just light personality moments and banter, here's act 1. And I think if there's a creator that you really admire, instead of maybe looking to stylistically take what they do, mm-hmm. look at how they tell a story first. Yes. Because that won't show up as blatantly as, as mm-hmm. stealing or copying. Yeah, I think even yeah. for you and I, when we were very inspired by Casey Neistat, I think we were taking more of the aesthetic things than necessarily some of the storytelling things. Like we were doing a, a mix of both, but that's where I think, a lot of people, us included. I don't know. I look back to when that was happening, when everyone mm-hmm. was copying Casey Neistat. Yeah, and I'm sure he felt a little bit like, oh man, like right. a lot of this is just ripping me off, but not executing, not not as good, not doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, and that's because you're taking aesthetic things, right? Like you're doing the, the drones with mm-hmm. the chill hop music, and yeah but you're not actually sinking into what's a, what, what is a good story? So I would suggest looking at your creators and thinking more mm-hmm. about the skeletons, the bones of what they're making rather than the clothes on top.
0: Whoa, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Jimmy said this to us. Uh, Mr. Beast said this to us where he said, um, you know, you should basically study videos that are doing really well and write down what's happening and maybe just break it down by, by 10 second increments you know, be like, okay, this happened in the first 10 seconds, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, and try and back that into a storytelling structure and say, okay, what? reverse engineer it and be like, how did that work? And then I would say, pick up a camera and try and make something that follows that format, because you have to get the feeling of making something and you have to have a starting point. So you're going to be inspired by another creator. You're going to watch a video and go, hey, could I make something like that? That's just natural. That's like, that's all creativity. So I think I have, you know, I would say that when we were stealing like an artist and trying to reverse engineer Casey Neistat videos, it was really fun to have a starting point, but those videos didn't work for us in terms of growing our career because it wasn't us. You know, we were just learning how to make videos at that point. So treat it like that and say, can I learn how to make videos using this stuff or can I uh, study these and write down what's happening and then apply that to my own thing? But you need a starting point to make videos. That's my honest opinion. Like, I don't think you can, I don't think a lot of people are coming up with a brand new original idea when they pick up a camera. They're taking something that they saw and being like, can I recreate that? And I think that's how you learn how to use a camera and learn your voice and learn how to edit. So that would be my recommendation on how to steal like an artist. Yeah. We all got to start somewhere. That's whether it's
1: Writing or mm-hmm. photography or painting, everyone. Yeah, everyone has looked at something else and taken inspiration.
0: All right, man, I'm gonna go get a croissant in a bakery in Paris. Um, I'm assuming that's what I'm doing right now. And I'm, you should, you should. I'm go probably over. gonna go get a
1: taco. Sure, because the last one I had, I got a shrimp taco, uh-huh. and it wasn't what I was expecting. Uh, but I heard about this other sp- spot across town yeah that everyone's been talking about, and so I'm gonna head over there. Right.
0: So that's what we're doing. Uh, If you post in the Reddit or comment on the channel, just know we're on a break. We're out. We're out. (laughs) But we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. Uh, Specifically, the week of July 18th, we'll be back. We'll still have content posting on this feed, but we'll be back the week of July 18th and we'll see you on the channel. We'll see you right here.